The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. I see that uh, CBG has been busy in the audio files this afternoon. <laughs> Uh, as we head into our next interview, let's talk some cybersecurity. There is plenty to talk about today, um, from a hacking spree that hit Twitter to news that hackers are trying to steal COVID-19 vaccine research. Let's start with the Twitter hackers. They uh, targeted a number of high-profile accounts. Uh, the ruse inv- included bogus tweets from Barack Obama, Joe Biden, Mike Bloomberg, and tech billionaire and Tesla founder Elon Musk. Now, hackers used social engineering to target some of Twitter's employees and then gained access to the high-profile accounts. And then the attacker sent out tweets from the accounts of these public figures offering to send $2,000 for every $1,000 sent to an anonymous Bitcoin address. Now, you can be sure that Elon Musk and Barack Obama and Joe Biden are not going to be sending out requests like that. Now, David Shipley is a cybersecurity expert, the CEO of Bosteron Security. He joins us this afternoon. David, welcome back to the show. Well, thanks for having me. I know it's been a busy day for you answering lots of questions. How, now, let's, you know, I want to focus on Twitter before we get to the, the, the Russian hackers and, and the COVID-19 vaccine. So with what happened on Twitter yesterday, how troubling is this? What does it say about Twitter's security? Well, it it says that they haven't learned anything in 10 years because they've had this problem before, um, before they had much less impact than we have today when you have uh, the president of the United States who regularly uses this to announce policy positions um, first on Twitter um, and its security um, didn't quite pass muster um, yesterday. And, you know, what we do know uh, so far from reporting and from Twitter's own acknowledgments is that their internal administrative tool was hijacked and then used in this case uh, for a cryptocurrency scam. And this is such a, a dodged bullet for us all globally. You know, this is the equivalent of watching a dog catch a car and not know what to do with it. Because if this had been someone far more serious, the damage would have been far greater. What we're still waiting to find out is whether the attackers gained access to Twitter system by um, social engineering with phishing, sort of tricking an administrator to giving up their passwords and then going for a joyride, or if they uh, bribe somebody or coerce them to, uh, to do these actions. Yeah, and I mean, both of those kind of, uh, you know, starts, you know, really start sounding the alarm bells. If someone who is, you know, working on a major uh, social media platform can get tricked into giving up passwords or gets bribed into doing so, that's um, that's really concerning. That, um, that uh, as, as I said, is, is ringing the alarm bells, bells really loud. It, it is. I mean, um, imagine if this wasn't, imagine this has been one of the Russian uh, APT, the advanced hacking teams, and they got yeah. Trump's, account, Trump's account and said, I'm declaring war on North Korea. Imagine oh, the consequences that could have flown from that. Um, or they had Biden's account. Imagine they had said, I'm resigning effective immediately because I've been involved in some insane uh, fake scandal. Um, imagine the news cycle that had been uh, kicked off by that. Or uh, the anti-vaccine, anti-mask uh, kind of 
pandemic fueling uh, chaos that could have been caused through any yeah. number of these accounts uh, and ad nauseum the amount of scenarios where this could have kicked things off in a really negative way to have real world consequences and if you really want to get frightened imagine they had done any of those things in November this year in the height of the U.S. presidential election and that's the sobering sort of look of how close we were to the iceberg and the Titanic. But David, then you know, isn't that still reality? I mean, we've been more we've been warned about this for ages. I mean, you know, just because it they didn't it wasn't super successful this time around doesn't mean it won't be next time or in November. That is correct, and that would probably be the thing that's keeping a lot of us awake today in the security profession. And, it, and you know, when we stop and think about this, and, and I, you know, full disclosure, I, I'm a former reporter, so so yeah. I have a passion <laughs> on the media side. But but I remember the accountability and mechanism, and particularly in broadcast media. You know, when you think about the impact that radio and television and the privileged position that they have and the regulations that are imposed to make sure that Canadians can trust media. Uh, But none of those controls, none of the adult supervision are imposed on social media, which has 1,000 times the reach. I mean, the the hacked accounts they had yesterday had 300 million followers Mm -hmm. and 0% of the accountability. It's insane. And our parliament in Canada has got to get back to work and has got to get dealing with these cybersecurity issues and the massive power issues with these social media companies. Well, and I think we talked about this even last time when you were on months ago about the fact that we, nothing seems to be being done on this front. And 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 why, I mean, obviously with the pandemic, you know, the last four months, everything seemingly has been put on hold. Um, and so it's maybe not the top priority right now. But prior to that, why were, why were the governments dragging their heels? Well, I don't know what it's going to take for the government in Canada to get proactive and learn lessons uh, before we have catastrophes in this country. I mean, and notably, we already are suffering significant issues with the spread of hate, uh, the spread of anti-science and anti-medical advice on social media. We're paying for our lack of action now, but it could be so much worse. You know, the, the Prime Minister was on to something when he said, you know, we're going to look at a digital charter and putting in the same rights and protections for Canadians that Europeans have. But for God's sake, act. Like, you know, I I find uh, myself so frustrated now because even if we act today, we still have a decade's worth of work that will have to be done to catch up. But at least the next generation of people can look forward to a better digital future. But every day we dilly, dather and do nothing, the consequences get worse for everyday Canadians. And David Shipley joining me this afternoon, a cybersecurity expert, the CEO of Bostron Security. David, um, I mean, the remote work scenario that so many of us are finding ourselves in right now, um, you know, from what I understand, that that even offers up uh, more of an opportunity for scammers and for hackers. Um, What do we need and what do companies need to be aware of on that front? Well, what I can tell you from the work that my company does, and we work with everything from global banks to small businesses is that um, human emotions and state of mind matter a lot to susceptibility to things like this social engineering scam that might have been behind the Twitter attack that fear anxiety stress and fatigue 
greatly contribute to the mistakes that get made with these attacks, and these attacks can be really good. Uh, you know, even in the most sophisticated organization, I've seen the right kind of phishing email um, hit and succeed as much as 16 to 21% of the cases. So it's, it's about educating your folks um, about these attacks. It's about giving them tools so that they can let you know when they've received something suspicious. And it's about being able to react quickly when it goes wrong because, unfortunately, for organizations, big or small, you've got to be able to respond quickly. How much money uh, did they manage to collect out of this one? It was, what, $100,000? Uh, about about 120,000 U.S. And a good rule for cyber criminals is you better hope your payday is going to be bigger than your legal defense bill because the amount of heat that they're generated, uh, you think about the amount of governments, uh, federal uh, policing agencies and others that are chasing down whoever did this, uh, this was not worth the money. So Defense Minister Harjit Sajjan says it's important for Canada and its British and American allies to defend healthcare organizations. He sent out a tweet this morning ironic, uh, after Canadian, British and U.S. security services revealed hackers have been trying to steal research on COVID-19 vaccines from organizations in all three countries around the world. Uh, the cyber agencies believe the hackers are working for Russian intelligence. Let's dive into this side of it all with David Shipley. We'll continue the conversation. David, uh, the communication security establishment said uh, that the group APT29, also known as Cozy Bear and the Dukes is behind this activity, uh, almost certainly operates as part of Russian intelligence. What else do we know about this group? So this group is part of Russia's GR unit, unit, and they are cowboys. They hack everything and anywhere. They don't care about international norms. These are the folks behind the uh, hacks against the Democratic uh, National uh, Committee uh, in the United States. Um, they've been at it. They're good. Um, they're well-funded, they're resourced, and they're patient. And uh, I have not a doubt in my mind that they're among many countries that are um, going after uh, COVID-19 research. What's interesting about CSE and others' warnings is they're also alleging that uh, not only trying to steal this information, because, of course, the country that gets the vaccine first gets their economy back open first, wins the race potentially for at least the next decade, if not maybe even the next 100 years in terms of growing your economy and uh, um, political influence. Um, but it also sounds like they're looking to sabotage other countries um, as they attempt to find a cure or a vaccine and deal with this disease. Yeah, I was going to ask you why they, they would be ta targeting vaccine research, but what you said makes complete sense. Do we know if any of these attacks were successful or if any information was gained? We don't know for sure because we know that they're they're saying that we, we have evidence of this, we can see it. I, I can tell you that universities, I, I come from trying to defend the university sector, that's where I, I first learned cybersecurity, are woefully under-defended. Um, and how, as is healthcare, and they share something in common. When you look at the mission of these organizations, whether it's teaching or research or providing patient care, um, IT is a cost center at the bottom of the list. And, and you can understand why that is from their goals and their missions and purposes. And they're not given adequate resources. And again, you know, when we talk about the, the failure of the federal government to provide policing and national security in the online space, this is where we bear the brunt of it with real consequences. Imagine our efforts to get a vaccine in Canada are sabotaged by a competitive country. You know, think about the human impact of that.
Well, and the fact of the matter uh, is, just in May, the uh, the CSE and CSIS warned that Canada's research on the response to COVID-19 is at, quote, an elevated level of risk for state-sponsored hacking and espionage. You know, really, I, I have to think it was only a matter of time. Absolutely. And, and let's not kid ourselves. Uh, it, it's not just Russia, China, and other bad apples potentially looking for this research. Mm. The Americans are doing it. Uh, we do all kinds of intelligence gathering as well. It's the great game everyone's playing. Um, and we're far better. And this is the problem in cybersecurity. We're far better at throwing punches and stealing stuff than protecting ourselves. You know, who are these hackers? Who are they? Are they, you know, top of their class in, you know, computer sciences or whatever it is, you know, way back when? Who are they? So when we talk about these nation-state groups, you know, these are um, usually military-trained. Uh, they are, they yeah. obviously have computer science backgrounds. They're they're well-funded, well-supported, and given the the protection, cover, comfort, and support of a country. Um, and so the world is their oyster. You know, we we often talk about Cozy Bear or Fancy Bear or the Russian hacking teams. Uh, North Korea has a group called Lazarus, and these cats are stealing from everybody on. Online, and they're using cybercrime to fund, according to UN reports, uh, their nuclear program. Um, so that's how, how crazy the world of cybersecurity is, is that, you know, we're not just talking about usernames and passwords and, and credit mm-hmm. card compromises. We're talking about fueling nuclear regimes and the loss of vaccines. Like, this is no longer a hypothetical. There are real consequences to our inaction. And it's and it's interesting when you think about it, it's like, oh my gosh, it must take forever. And you work on things for a long, long time. Like, why would they put that much time, that much effort into it? But if it pays off big with whatever, your economy gets to restart after COVID-19, you get something on the on the nuclear front, whatever it is, that is worth a lot of cash. Uh, it, that's, that's huge in the long run. They don't care well, how they well, get it. Yeah, look, I mean, look at the Chinese hacking teams. They destroyed Nortel, um, so Canada's crown jewel of public, uh, publicly traded company generating billions of dollars in wealth and intellectual property, and it was devastated. Um, and look at the National Research Council in Canada uh, several years ago. Billions of dollars worth of Canadian research stolen. Um, you know, we're, we're not talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of damage here. We're talking about hundreds of billions of dollars worth of damage. David, is any country out there doing a great job in making sure that their stuff, their information is protected? And should we be looking to a certain country to to follow in their footsteps? So probably the the leading country in the world is a tiny little uh, northern European country called Estonia. And Estonia learned uh, through painful lessons uh, with fights with Russia to to build a digital infrastructure. Um, They've created a secure identity, digital identity for citizens. It's not perfect, but it's a hell of a lot better than our sin. Um, And they've grown significantly. Israel, which is in a constant um, state of conflict, has realized that cyber is just where war is fought now. Um, And they're further ahead than us. And I would say they're generations ahead of us. And, uh, you know, we live in a world that's becoming more and more dangerous. And when we talk about the proliferation of these kind of weapons that get out there from the digital front, um, you know, you, you have uh, the WannaCry outbreak in 2017 that crippled hospitals across Britain um, that was a U.S. cyber weapon stolen by Russia and given to North Korea. It sounds like a James Bond movie. That's yeah. the world we live in. 
It's fascinating stuff, David. Thank you for uh, sharing your insight, uh, your knowledge on it with uh, with 6:30 Ched listeners this afternoon. I always appreciate your time. Thank you so much. You're always welcome. Stay safe.